0: I'd like to welcome everyone to the Florence Weinberg Show. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, the author of 16 books, including *Before the Alamo* and *The Choice*. The choice being her last—not uh, her last. No, I take that back. Her latest. She's got more on the way. It's not like she retired. I wonder if people gasp there for a second, Doc. But uh, let me uh, let me welcome everyone to the Florence Weinberg Show. Dr. Weinberg, how are you? I'm doing very well, thanks, Frank. And you, I,
1: you sound, hale and hearty as well.
0: Yeah, I no, I I feel pretty good. It's uh it's a nice fall day here. Uh, I don't know uh, what what you guys are dealing with in Texas. Certainly, you're dealing with all types of things in Texas. But weather-wise, I uh, I wonder uh, how you're doing. Are you are you mild or is it hot? Uh, what are you dealing it's with hot. in San Antonio? It's
1: still hot. It was mild for a week, and we even got some rain, and then it turned hot and dry again. So uh, we're hoping that it will, and uh, that it's fall, even though uh, global warming has uh, has increased the temperature by a couple of uh, degrees throughout the year. So, so anyway, we're confronting that. But besides the weather, of course, uh, we have. Uh, Uh, Governor uh, Ron DeSantis swooping into our state to pick up um, from San Antonio, my hometown, to pick up uh, uh, recent immigrants, (laughs) uh, lie to them, telling them that they are going to a big city where they'll have uh, housing and jobs awaiting them and food. And all the rest of it, uh, and when they get to Martha's Vineyard, they discover it's not a big city, and nobody was expecting them, and they were lied to. So our local uh, authorities, the uh, the sheriff, in fact, uh, is uh, looking into uh, um, suing the governor of Florida for human trafficking. Oh, my God. Uh, For lying to people in order to entice them to do things that they normally would not do. Um, I think it may stick. I think uh, the suit may proceed. But anyway, that's one thing that's in the news. And the other one is, of course, uh, Putin's declaration that uh, he is uh, calling up the troops uh, in order to get 30,000 new uh, um, soldiers on the front. Uh, fighting um, Ukraine, trying to uh, take over Ukraine. Uh, And, uh, of course, President uh, Biden has been at the U.N. uh, declaring to the world uh, that this is breaking the U.N. charter uh, at the very least, uh, because Russia is trying to uh, take over And by force take over another country and to obliterate it, in fact, and its people and uh, absorb them into his empire, his hoped-for empire. Anyway, those are the main topics. But I'm going to shrink the topics right down to local concerns, which are also of national import, uh, and that is I'm going to talk about Beto O'Rourke and uh, his prospects, if he were to become uh, governor of Texas, everybody is thinking, "Oh, wonderful! If he can make it to governor of Texas, then Texas will be a force uh, for freedom and liberty, <laughs> and and all the rest." Um, but the uh, when you look. At the actual powers of the governor in the state of Texas, uh, you become a whole lot more sober about the uh, the possibilities for uh, a Democratic governor in uh, in the midst of a sea of Republicans. So, um, this article that I'm basing myself on is by Taylor Goldenstein who was a San Antonio Express news reporter and opinion writer, uh, editor, Um, and he published this on Monday. And so I'm using the facts that he gathered together to uh, inform the public about what Beto would confront. Uh, His poll numbers uh, are not great, uh, he lags behind Greg Abbott's numbers by five to seven points consistently, and doesn't seem to get any closer. Uh, and uh, with the year, with this year's redistricting by the state legislature, um, it's most likely, barring a huge Democratic voter turnout, uh, anyway, that Abbott will be reelected, despite. His many gaffes and blunders uh, that everybody acknowledges to be gaffes and blunders, even his own partisans. Uh, so, the, and the very fact that he hasn't been back to Uvalde since the shooting, except for that first day when, when he repeated the lies that he'd been told about the rapid response to the shooter, um, he has, and the other thing is that he has never mentioned the word gun. Uh, he has talked about, Uh, mental mental instability, but uh, that's as close as he has come to actually confronting the issue of mass shooting in Texas and in the, the country in general. But anyway, so if we had a huge Democratic turnout that overwhelmed the redistricting, which is gerrymandering, of course, the state... Uh, in order to make sure that the uh, only Republican representatives will be sent back to the Senate and uh, and House uh, this year, uh, it uh, is pretty sure that uh, the state legislature therefore will remain in Republican hands. Um, so, uh, Beto has been promising. One of his main uh, priorities is re- to restore a woman's right to choose. Uh, and to reform the state's gun laws, um, and there are others, of course, the right to vote, uh, and uh, uh, which is the most difficult in the nation as far as uh, the access to the poll and uh, the right to uh, to write to uh, mark your uh, preferences on a ballot. Uh, anyway, uh, he has been promising these things, but he will be dependent on. The state legislature to get his ideas uh, uh, into law. On abortion, uh, Beto, uh, who is asked about this, you know, uh, how are you going to face down this, the Republican state legislature, uh, he thinks that the shockwaves of his election as governor would give him the political capital and the leverage to make sure that every woman would have the right to make her own decisions about her own body. Uh, And on other issues, he thinks that the power of the veto could stop bad ideas from becoming law. Of course, that part is true. Uh, He would be able to stop um, all kinds of things from becoming law. However, uh the legislature le- legislators excuse me who enacted the far right leaning laws on abortion guns voting rights uh just last year uh, would be reluctant to repeal them this year and one of the uh, former important democrats in the state whose name is Gary Mau- Mauro M A U R O um he was a former four-term lands commissioner in this state, uh, said that Democrats uh, in his day learned to work across the aisle to set invisible lines, which would be limits of what each side would accept under legislative compromises. And Mauro said if Beto is Lyndon Johnson enough to figure out a way to work with the legislature... To set some invisible lines, it remains to be seen if he has that much subtlety and that much political acumen. And, of course, that is very true. So much depends on Beto's charm and skill uh, and the force he can uh, can exert on the legislature. Uh, but... Uh, that, I'm afraid, would be quite limited. And a, a, spe- a speaker for uh, for the Republican side, Dennis Bauman, uh, who was former House Speaker, says um, the fact that he does not—he isn't Lyndon Johnson. <laughs> uh, he doesn't have that subtlety. Uh, he's quite upfront and quite blunt. And um, that's why, for one thing, he's not going to win. And for another thing, it would be just a politicized governor, governorship that would do nothing for Texas. Okay, so this is simply a no and no um, a very simple uh, expression of opinion. Uh, he goes on to say that Beto is completely out of step with it uh, With his more extreme liberal positions, Beto is completely out of step with the state legislature and with the voters, Bonin thinks. Well, O'Rourke then comes back at that, saying that he is campaigning on policies backed by many Texas Republicans. For instance, expanding Medicaid... And here is something that has been a thorn in my side anyway. Of course, I haven't needed Medicaid, but my mother did. Um, so uh, Medicare, yes. Obamacare, yes. But Medicaid, no. And, of course, Medicaid is what uh, helps people who fall below uh, the rather generous uh, estimate uh, of uh, the federal government of what constitutes the poverty le- uh, level, at, uh, which is something something like, I don't know, $40,000 a year or something like that. It's quite high. I, th- I think I'm wrong there. It's probably not quite that, but it's quite high. Um, in any case, uh, my mother uh, had an estate, and she had two strokes, which forced her to go into a nursing home and because she needed around-the-clock care and uh, she uh, i think it was costing her five thousand dollars a month and she was in the nursing home for three years i believe Uh, and so her estate was quickly exhausted at that rate and uh, and she was eligible for medicaid had she been in any other state But, of course, she was not. So no Medicaid for her. Um, She had no income, therefore. uh, Well, actually, she did have. She had Social Security, and it amounted to $350 a a month. So that hardly covered the $5,000 bill from the nursing home. Uh, So the Medicaid, and I've heard from church, my church, uh, fellow church people in the congregation, that they... Uh, are having a terrible time surviving because they don't have an adequate income and they cannot meet their medical bills um, because the state refuses to expand Medicaid and considered, considers it a badge of honor not to do so. Yeah. Uh, so the other thing... Uh, O'Rourke is is, uh, campaigning on. Besides that, is increasing public education funding, and and this, this to me is a totally indifferent thing. Uh, If anything, I'm sort of negative about it. Uh, Legalizing marijuana. I suppose if people are addicted to marijuana, also if they are using it to dull pain, uh, chronic pain uh that marijuana uh, should be legally um uh prescribed by doctors uh which it isn't at the moment i think in texas so um so the laws regarding marijuana should certainly be uh liberalized um uh, so um uh, O'Rourke believes that he could find common ground. Uh, in uh, areas such as the lack of an exception for rape and incest victims in the state abortion law, because a large majority of voters actually do believe that the procedure should be permitted in those cases. Uh, And I certainly agree with that, too. Uh, So there is common ground with many, many Republicans on that. And O'Rourke says that legislators, of course, represent their constituents, and therefore there's room for compromise if they actually want to represent the will of the people. And he believes that many uh, state legislators are honest enough to want to do that. So he is persistently, consistently optimistic. About his chances to work with his legislature, which has been exceedingly right-wing for, the, uh, for as many years as I can think of. So, um, uh, the governors of Texas have very limited powers anyway. Um, they have to—they uh, have no cabinet, so there's no supporting group around them. And they have less control over state agencies than most of their peers in other uh, in other states. Recently, however, Abbott and his predecessors, his immediate predecessors, uh, have expanded their uh, power through sheer sheer longevity because they have stocked boards and commissions with allies. So they they have uh, allies around them because they have appointed them. Uh, Abbott has also used the disaster orders, <laughs> declaring state disasters, to steer policy of border security. So the state's um, uh, deployment of, of the Texas National Guard to the border, uh, which is a pure Political stunt because they have no power to do anything down there. They can't arrest anybody. They can't detain anybody. Well, they are just standing around down well. there, and uh, and of course they are uh, neglecting their duties at home while they are standing there doing nothing, and uh, they're ill housed and ill fed while they're doing that. And so there is a great. Uh, discontent uh, among those uh, men down uh, down there doing that work the uh, uh, the, the uh, state uh, militia more or less a standing militia for the state uh, doing nothing on the border but it's a political stunt so that Abbott can point to them and say see what I did I sent the uh, uh, the uh, state uh, national guard to the border aren't I agree <laughs> So the other thing is the state's COVID response, uh, which uh, Abbott has uh, used. Uh, he has used executive order uh, to do both of those things, using the um, disaster declaration as his excuse. Um, and of course, the COVID response was totally inadequate. Uh, he never, uh, never mandated masks, for instance uh and uh, so there was always a controversy uh when a local official would order that people wear masks during the worst of the uh, uh of the plague um because the state was not mandating it uh so uh, his actions uh, using up various excuses such as the disaster declaration uh have uh, uh, they have caused a great uproar so they were publicized very well but they didn't help anything um, i suppose uh, of course beto beto would say well i will i i can use the, these executive orders but i would use them to help the people of texas um instead of to uh, simply to make a, a point uh, for the republican side as in the case of the National Guard on the border. Uh, The other thing governors can do is appoint heads of boards and commissions and agencies uh, also uh, through executive orders. But the the catch is they can't fire any of the previous incumbents. So that means that Beto will be stuck with, with hundreds, if not thousands, of Republican appointees. Uh, who are still in their jobs when he uh, takes over as governor. So that means there will be an army of, uh, of people who are not in the legislature but who have power in the state who will be against him. And, of course, his most powerful bargaining chip is the veto, And that is the power to nix policies like private school vouchers, uh, which Abbott has has supported with great enthusiasm. Uh, The veto uh, also gives the governor leverage to bring people to the table and make sure to find common ground and make progress uh, because of the threat of the veto. So uh, you can say, well, if we don't modify this law that you have just passed, I will veto it. And uh, if you want to uh, to have this part of this law go through, then you better come talk to me. Uh, and so, in that way, you can make some, uh, maybe find common ground and maybe make progress. Okay, so uh, a Democrat. Uh, Rodney Ellis uh, of Harris County, which is Houston, uh, who is a commissioner who spent 27 years on the Texas Senate, uh, said—so he knows the state legislature from uh, bottom uh, up—said that governors have overcome the office's limitations through the sheer force of their personality. So they use the bully pulpit— connect with the electorate and that is certainly true has happened in the past and then there are the other officers the main officers the lieutenant governor and the attorney general what powers do they have could they help the governor Uh, there is a Democratic candidate uh, Mike Collier by name Mike Collier who isn't the nominee for lieutenant governor and he also trails uh, Dan Patrick, our present uh, lieutenant governor, by five to seven points. And the, the uh, powers of the lieutenant governor are uh, that he plays a central role in the lawmaking pro- process. He's the Senate's presiding officer, and so he assigns bills, very similar to uh, to McConnell's. Uh, power in the US Senate uh he assigns bills to his desired committees and chooses if and when they reach the the floor for a vote and that has happened to bills coming out of the House of Representatives at uh in Washington um, over and over the uh, the bills uh such as the reform of the uh uh of the border uh, pr- uh, process, the uh, the immigration process. Uh, there is a bill that has been uh, carefully crafted and sent to the Senate, and it's just sitting there moldering while the Republicans are shouting that they, uh, the border is wide open, which of course is not true. But the border procedure, procedure needs to be reformed, and uh, our... The uh, House has done its best to do so, but the Republican Senate, the Republicans in the Senate, that is McConnell, has refused over the years to bring it to a vote. And thanks to the filibuster, it is still unable to get to the vote. So the Republicans are making hay out of that, and it's their fault. <laughs> uh, any reform is being blocked so they can use it as a political football against the uh, the Democrats. So again, uh, same thing goes for the Senate here in Texas. So the uh, the lieutenant governor, the LG uh, assigns the bills and chooses the committees and uh, chooses the time uh, they'll be brought forward for a vote. So he essentially has full control over the flow of legislation, and he also appoints committee committee chairs, and he casts the tie-breaking votes. So all of this is very similar to the, the Senate on the national level. However, before each session, now here's the catch to the power of the lieutenant uh, governor: before each session before the, uh, the Senate comes together for the year, the Senate must vote on approving the Senate rules. And the Senate rules are in 175-page policy book. And they can deny the lieutenant governor certain powers at will. And theoretically, therefore, they could make him totally powerless by... Uh, saying he no longer uh, pres- uh, he would be the presiding officer, but but he would no longer be able to assign bills to his desired committees and choose when they come to the floor for a vote, and so on. So uh, everything that I just said that the lieutenant Governor could do can be taken away by the Senate before if the Senate even meets uh, convenes for the year. Because what they have to do every time they they convene is vote on the rule book and vote rule by rule so they can can, uh, repeal any of these rules for that session uh, at their will. So this is a, a very dangerous situation for any Democratic lieutenant governor. Okay, then the other office that might or might not be able to help uh, Beto if he were elected governor is the Democratic candidate for attorney general. And this is a woman by the name of Rochelle Garza, uh, who was a former ACLU attorney, and she has already committed to not prosecuting abortion providers or anyone seeking an abortion are those aiding and abetting the legal um, uh, – I'm sorry, aiding and abetting the process. Uh, She's powerless, however, to repeal uh, Senate Bill 8, which is the drastic uh, anti-abortion bill that passed last year. She could uh, issue legal opinions about Republican-backed laws that she thinks are unconstitutional. But this would merely serve as a political statement. It would have no uh, legislative or legal power. Her main power, therefore, would be to decide which lawsuits to pursue on the behalf of, on behalf of the state. And she has virtually no power to enact laws or to influence the enactment of laws. And so that is the that is the realistic situation uh, that would face were he to be elected to the governorship of Texas, and it's a pretty grim picture. So he would be surrounded by hostile Republicans. He could not look to his lieutenant governor or his attorney general for help other than moral support. <laughs> so there we are. So even if we do get him in, which everybody uh, is so optimistic and happy about the prospect of um, he might be rendered totally powerless, uh, and his situation would be similar to uh, uh, Obama's situation in his second term. Yeah. So there you have it. Any comments,
0: Yeah. Frank? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna play devil's advocate on this. Now, if Beto O'Rourke gets in. What he brings is a bully pulpit. He, he
1: Hang on there, Frank. I'm he, having difficulty receiving you. Um,
0: hang can, on. can you hear me now? Yes, I can. Okay. okay. Uh, it, here's here's my thoughts. I'm going to play devil's advocate. Yes. And Beto O'Rourke, if he's elected in the very Republican state of Texas, uh, the first thing is he has a bully pulpit. And anyone who holds that position, well, any top position, president, um, you know, uh, governor, senator, you know, they have a bully pulpit. And right. he, he will allow, he will be allowed to say whatever he feels like saying. He is the governor. Now, they might torture him, but the, he could do something. He can go over their heads, over the heads of the politicians, and go directly to the people of. I'm not saying he's going to do this, and I'm not saying that he's looking forward to do this, doing this, but I believe he can go over the heads of the politicians that are blocking him and go to the, the people of Texas and explain to them proof positive what's going on and expose, hey, this is what I'm doing, this is what they're doing. And I, I, I think that, that has a value all its own. The, the next uh, thing is it announces to whoever the Democrat is in 2024, I mean, maybe it's President Biden, maybe it's Vice President Harris, maybe it's somebody else that we're not even thinking of, Pete Buttigieg, maybe it's somebody, maybe it's Beto himself, but it announces to that individual, wh- whoever he or she may be, that Texas is winnable. If, you, if Texas is winnable... And uh, you, you, as a Democrat, could right. possibly see a blowout because if you have New York, which is automatically, uh, and it's a, a electoral vote-rich state, uh, it's automatically going into the Democratic corner, um, and so is California, and then, you know, Massachusetts, and, you know, there's a bunch of states that are automatically blue, just like there are states that are automatically red. One of those automatic reds is texas and if beto o'rourke wins you got to take the word automatic away and and uh, away from texas being in the republican column and i i think and and the other thing is and again i'm an independent so i'm you know i'm i uh, i've i've got some republican tendencies i got some democratic tendencies um you know, fiscally, I, you know, maybe I'm more fiscally uh, a conservative than than many Democrats, but I'm more um, a progressive social on social issues than uh, than most Republicans. Right. So I'm an independent. So I'm not I'm trying not to take a, a, a stand one way or the other. But the one thing I wouldn't want people to do that are listening is I wouldn't want that. If I'm a Democrat, I would not want them to be discouraged and say, well, what's the use? What's the use of, of Better O'Rourke winning if all of these things are, are happening? I would think it's a major victory for, uh, for the Democratic Party to rid themselves once, well, I don't know about well, once and for all, but the, the possibility of Greg Abbott, who a year ago, we, you and I both would have agreed, maybe, maybe he was unbeatable a year ago. But if, if Beto O'Rourke comes and he beats him, uh, you know, now never mind this cracks in the uh, in the armor. Uh the, the armor's torn apart. The t- armor is is shredded. Uh, you know, and and from the democratic standpoint, Ding Dong the witch is dead. Um, Greg Abbott is uh is out as governor. And that's i I'm not saying that, but the Democrats uh could say that. So I think Better or Rock winning is uh, you know, for if I'm a democrat, I, I'm I'm dancing a jig. I'm uh I'm doing backflips. I'm doing whatever I could physically do to show my celebratory um uh attitude towards better winning, to me it would be the biggest win you could possibly get in the country this year. I, I can't imagine one bigger. So the thing is just to play devil's advocate, if I'm a democrat, I'm uh, I'm holding all hope that better or Rock wins. And if he does Uh, If he does, it's celebration time, and then you worry about everything else later. Um, Yes, you know, And maybe he'll have coattails if he wins. Maybe he'll Mm -hmm. have coattails, and he'll bring some other people with him, and maybe the Republicans uh, would be uh, afraid to uh, tackle him if he comes in with a mandate. I don't know. Your thoughts on what I just said?
1: Yes. Well, I— I tend to agree and I don't think I used the words bully pulpit but I intended to. Yeah. Uh when I was talking about he would have to have the skills of Lyndon Johnson uh in order to find common ground with this legislature as it stands at the moment. Um and and probably will be reelected because of uh, gerrymandering. Uh, but at the same time he the power of his personality is such that he would have Uh, He would have a great influence on not only Texas, but on the rest of the country Uh, if he spoke as governor of this state uh, from the bully pulpit, which he would have as governor. uh, And I think he could convince a whole lot of people and those who voted him in would be with him and others uh, could be persuaded to back him as well. Uh, Especially if – I think if he did things such as get Medicaid, which is a major, major thing in this uh, state, it's one – Texas may be the only state by now that has has not expanded uh, Medicare and Medicaid uh, and get free money from the government for the sick people and uh, – Diabetes is one of the major diseases among Hispanics here in Texas altogether, Uh, and uh, we desperately need uh, the Medicaid for the poor here. So that would, I think, bring him an enormous boost uh, uh, as governor. Uh, He would become a favorite of uh, definitely a majority of the voters. There's no doubt about it. So yes I'm with you but on uh, the I have, has, have spent the hour showing how the the wheels of the government grind uh in the opposite direction uh maybe the the uh, mills of the gods grind slowly but Uh, But in the cause of justice, maybe that that will override uh, the way the state legislature and the other and the offices, the main officers' uh, jobs are set up here. Uh, But uh, uh, Meadow really would have a hard road uh, to follow uh, once he is governor, even though Uh, where we would all be celebrating and happy and so on. And, of course, he would, too. Uh, But he would come up against some real barriers, and we have to be aware of that. Uh, He, of course, is already aware of that. But he is very optimistic about his prospects for winning people over.
0: You you had mentioned, Doc, uh, that his poll numbers weren't that rosy. Uh, what are his poll numbers? Do you have uh, any uh, any clue on what they are?
1: Uh, well, as the last I heard, I, according to, it depends on the poll. The most optimistic is five points behind. Oh, wow. And the le- less optimistic is seven points behind Abbott.
0: You know, I don't know what the margin of error is, but that's that's a lot closer than I thought they would be. Those are pretty yeah, good numbers. Yeah,
1: it's close. Yeah, single dig- digits. <laughs> yeah. So there's still hope. We still have 48 days, I think it is now.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, you know, you started out with the, uh, uh, you know, I would call it a stunt, right? Uh, Governor DeSantis uh, sending the, um, uh, the migrants to, um, uh, to uh, uh, Martha's Vineyard. And saying, "Here you go, liberals limousine liberals. Uh, you wanted them. Here you go. You got them." And um, you know, it, it got a tremendous amount of play in uh, in certain areas. Um, the The truth of the matter is that if something was done illegal, uh, then that that you know, uh, I don't know if you want to call it a stunt, but some people called it a stunt. And um, and and right. you know, uh, the the governor of of Florida, um, if uh, it turns out that he's done something illegal. Now, I don't know if it's if it's up for question uh, uh, from a criminal standpoint um, it is federal because they crossed over borders actually and so I don't know that they're going to go that route. I, I don't know if that could blow up on on the Democrats if they went after DeSantis uh, you know from a, a criminal standpoint uh, because mm-hmm. you know it it emboldened I think um, a lot of Trump, Supporters who were probably on their way away from Trump or or away from, uh, the former president's, uh, bandwagon and, and and maybe some of them because his, uh, Mar-a-Lago home got raided, um, uh, you know, maybe some of them said, "Oh, wait a second! Look, hey, Trump's right. Look what look what they're doing to him." So I think if they got to be careful. Uh, and again, I know you shouldn't be thinking politics when you think of the FBI and the U.S. Attorney's Office, but let's face it, uh, people—it's—it's it's general uh, public opinion out there when you do something like that. So the, uh, the question in my mind is: um, uh, Did uh, DeSantis lose a? A civil case, because if he loses a civil case, it could be a tremendous amount of money going to the uh, the the uh, afflicted, the uh, the people that uh, feel like they've been wronged in this, which would be the immigrants, and mm-hmm. that would mean maybe Florida is going to pay the uh, you know pay the bill for the uh, the quote unquote stunt, and if that happens, maybe DeSantis takes a hit.
1: Right. Well, you know, I mean, he lied about the conditions that these people were in here in San Antonio. Uh, I happen to know that the uh, the quarters that these people uh, are living in uh, are they are clean. The food is good and wholesome. And uh, and abundance, and they have places to sleep, uh, and uh, and so on. They're being taken care of very nicely, uh, and he is on Fox News, broadcasting that they are in filth and squalor and not uh, not being fed, and on and on and on. Everything negative. And so he is rescuing them by telling them they're going to get jobs and uh, and everything beautiful when they get to the city at the other end of their flight and they got to Martha's Vineyard where nobody was prepared or even informed that they were going to suddenly be blessed with uh, plane loads full of these, uh, these poor people who had been deceived into coming. Um, so uh, the fact that they were lied to And they continue to be lied about on Fox News. Um, uh, This borders on something criminal, actually, criminal activity to entice these people to get themselves into trouble. Mm,
0: Amazing. Doc, can uh, can you give us a final word on Beto O'Rourke, and what do you think the next time we talk about Beto will be? Will it be midterm? uh, midterm mid uh, uh, Mid October? Will it be next week? Uh, When is the next big Beto news that uh, that will uh, that will pull uh, us and urge us to talk about him? Because uh, he is. Um, like it or not, people—he's uh, a—he's you know, a national figure, and he's within striking distance. That's
1: right. That's—that's uh, that's why I picked him. If he'd yeah. been only known here in Texas, obviously I would not have. But, but he is a hope for the future of the country. So, uh, so yes, uh, especially if his uh, poll numbers go above Abbott's, or even. Uh, even with Abbott, I may talk about him again, maybe not at this length, but I certainly will bring him up in, uh, uh, in my podcasts.
0: He is in striking distance, and, uh, and he has a chance to be uh, David to, uh, to the Goliath out there and, yes. uh, and yes. change the map, change the map from, uh, from red to purple at least, right? Uh, I think if he was the governor that you'd have to look at Texas as being in play And um, yeah, it could be uh, amazing. Dr. Florence Byham Weinberg, thank you very much.
1: You're most welcome. And uh, yes, uh, I am an eternal optimist. So I'm hoping uh, that Beto will uh, will prevail. And uh, that's the best we can do is uh, live in hope and optimism.
0: Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you all next time on the Florence Weinberg show.